Hey everybody, Scott Fontana here alongside Dan Urban. What's up everybody? And we're the Couchside Judges. We're here again to talk a little bit about judging in the world of mixed martial arts. We had another UFC card over the weekend, this one in Rio Rancho, New Mexico. And we'll get to that a little later in the show. But first, what did you do over the weekend, Dan? Did you do anything uh, anything but watch fights? No, I pretty much stayed home and watched fights this weekend. Right on, right on. Nothing too exciting. For me, I was conflicted because I definitely had to watch the UFC card, but it went on at the same time as the NBA All-Star Weekend, and I love that stuff. I've been driven by it for 20 years. I love watching it, 25 years probably. And I love watching the dunk contest. I love the three-point contest. So it, it, it kind of stung to miss it. I haven't caught it since then, but uh, I I definitely did miss that. Enough NBA talk for now. Let's talk about the weekend. And obviously we had a main event where we had a big knockout with Jan Blahovic blasting Corey Anderson. No, I don't think, I mean, people certainly saw that coming, but he was the underdog here by a significant margin. Yeah, I bet on Corey Anderson to win this fight. I thought it was going to be similar to the first time they fought. But I was wrong. Same here. I, I thought the same. I really thought. I didn't think it would be the exact same fight, but I, I really thought it was going to be a case where Corey was just going to pound on him for a few rounds until eventually Blahovich couldn't take it anymore. But it only went three minutes, and that was it. And now we have a new contender to John Jones' throne. But uh, we'll, we'll talk about that later. That only went one round. We didn't even get any judges' uh, reaction to that. So I want to start this segment of contested rounds where we'll discuss the judging that went down on the latest UFC card. Now, for everyone to know, we use the new scoring criteria, which isn't exactly new. It's it's basically clarified scoring criteria. Everyone's supposed to be essentially using this state to state, whether they've adopted the new unified rules or not. New Mexico has not adopted the new unified rules. But again, they should still be scoring fights the same way we see in other states where they're more able to give out 10-8 rounds and the like, which we didn't see before this clarification a few years ago. So let's start with one of the fights that I thought was a little a little weird that they weren't giving out as many 10-8s from the main card, and that was Ray Borg beating Rogerio Bontarin. And I thought he really deserved at least two 10-8 rounds, rounds two and three. Dan, what do you think? Yeah, he for sure deserved two 10-8 rounds. I mean, rounds two and three were large margin victories. There's no reason why that's a 10-9 on any scorecard. It was clear to me that Bontarin ran out of steam, possibly because, as he said last week, he didn't eat from Monday until weigh-in, which is insane. And he was going against a guy who didn't even bother to make weight in Ray Borg, who weighed in at 128 for a 125-pound fight. So I, I, I'd have to think that that's what happened. But what we all saw was Borg took him down at will and just pounded on him in rounds two and three. That, that's 10-8 that's to me. Now, one judge, Derek Cleary, did give 10-8s to both rounds, round two and three. Kenny Ortiz, a New Mexico-based judge and a first-time UFC judge, alongside Glenn Trowbridge, a very veteran judge, they both gave it 10-9, all three rounds. And that just doesn't jive with me. I don't like that. Yeah, there needs to be more 10-8s in this sport. There's no reason why you get a guy's back and you control him for basically the entire round, not taking any damage whatsoever. There's no offense from the other fighter, and that, that's a 10-8. Yeah, that that's clear to me, too. I, I was very disappointed to see that. It, fortunately, it didn't really matter here because Borg very clearly was going to win the fight. 
He did win the fight. It was 30-27 on two cards, 30-25 on Derek Cleary's card, which is how I scored it. Dan, you had the same. Uh, I, I was disappointed to see that, but... At least they got the right fighters winning the rounds. There were no mistakes made in terms of who should have won the fight. Just a discussion over by which margin, which two of them got it completely wrong. But unlike Ray Borg's victory, we had another fight that we actually didn't really see the right guy getting each round, and that's Marab Davalashvili in his dominant victory over Casey Kenny. The first round in particular was bizarre because you don't see this too often where each judge gives a different score. We had a 10-8 for Davalashvili from Judge Esther Lopez. We had Sal Diamato gave a 10-9, which is how I saw it. I don't know how you saw that round. Yeah, I saw it the same, 10-9. Derek Cleary, the same man who had the guts to give 10-8s to Ray Borg, as he should, somehow gave round one to Casey Kenny. I don't see that. Well, I thought it was a competitive round, but I think it was still pretty clear that Davalashvili won that round. Yeah, I would agree. It, it's it's something where they had some back and forth, but I certainly wouldn't make a very strong case for Casey to get that round. I don't really know why Derek Cleary had it. It's possible that just his view from the cage was a little different, and you know these judges maybe they don't see things from where they're situated when the action's happening. Yeah, maybe Derek Cleary wasn't seeing very clearly. Ooh, sick burn. He's never heard that one before. But I cannot believe that we actually have a fight where each judge gave a different score. That's That's got to be unprecedented or, or certainly exceptionally rare. Especially when one of them's a 10-8. Yeah, I, I didn't see a 10-8 at all. I, I, I admire Esther Lopez for having the guts to, to go out there and push 10-8s, but she handed these out like candy on Saturday night. And I just thought that was a little weird. Seemed like she just decided, you know, here, this one's a 10-8. There you go. Okay. All right, sure. Disagree completely, but again, I, I admire the, the will to, to push for those 10-8s. We, we, at the Couchside Judges, love to see more 10-8s. Yeah, at least she got the right person there. Yes, yes. She did, in fact, give the round to Devalishvili, which is which is how I saw it. The only other round from this fight that I really thought had a little bit of variance in the in the scoring here was round three. I saw that one as a 10-8. How did you see that, Dan? I had it as a 10-9. I thought it was close to a 10-8. I just didn't think it was there yet. Fair enough. Yeah, it, it was a dominant victory nonetheless for Marab Davalashvili, and he did certainly get the victory. No, no one on Saturday night was robbed of a victory by the judges, and that's, you know, if, if you want to do a zero-sum gain here, at least they got that right in New Mexico. It really wasn't a bad night overall in the judging. I, I didn't think so anyway. Yeah, I would agree. Now, the next fight of the night that we got to talk about, this one actually didn't go to the judges. They only turned in one round score, these judges, because in the second round of Daniel Rodriguez against Tim Means, Rodriguez found his way into into a submission victory. It was it was kind of a it was a choke. Well, how would you describe the choke, Dan? Uh, I think the real name is Ninja Choke, mm -hmm. which is basically a Dars or an Anaconda without the arm involved. It's like it's similar to a guillotine too, but it's a little little different. The round prior, Rodriguez floored Means with with a uh, what was the, what was the punch, Dan? Was like a left hook? Yeah, Dan. Tell me about the whole first round. Tell me why this is a round that we need to be talking about in a fight that ended in round two. Okay, so this whole round was pretty close. I mean, for the most part, it was rather even. Uh, borderline 10-10 if the control and aggression aspect were not part of the criteria, but they are. So 
with means pushing the action pretty much most of the time and Rodriguez countering, you would have to lean 10-9 means. And at about 4.58 of the round, means was looking to lock up a 10-9 round until he got dropped at 4.59. If he had five more seconds, 10 more seconds, that fight's over. Yeah, saved by the bell for sure. He gets up and he can barely walk. It was absurd that the fight wasn't stopped because of that. But what's even more absurd is that I don't think Esther Lopez was watching that part of the round. She probably heard the clacker and began writing her score <laughs> before finishing the round. Because if she did see that, there's no way you give Tim Means that round watching him basically lose. Yeah, she gave the she gave the 10-9 to Means there, which doesn't really make any sense when the most impactful thing happened right at the end and very clearly could have led to the end of the fight. I don't see how that's not at least 10-9 for Rodriguez. 10-9 minimum Rodriguez. I scored it 10-8 because, like I said, five more seconds, the ref's jumping in, that fight's over. To be fair to Ms. Lopez, I thought she actually had a very good night overall, judging this this round aside. She she did a good job, but but this round, it doesn't make any sense. It, it was very much an outlier for her, um, and it's a good thing that the scores were not needed because this just doesn't add up. Right. That's why I think she may have began to write her score before she even see this. And when she looked up, Means was probably already walking back to his corner. I mean, God, I hope not. She's a veteran boxing judge. She's been doing it almost 20 years now. She she should know better than to do that. I mean, but Sometimes you just go on autopilot. I guess some people do. I would hope professionals don't, but I guess these things do happen, right? But nonetheless, like we said, D-Rod, as he calls himself, took away the need for the judges. Now, another fight from the prelims that the judges weren't exactly needed, but we did get the chance to see their scores, John Dodson against Nathaniel Wood. Now, this was an interesting fight because I thought it was very close, and it's certainly an impactful fight at 135 pounds because Wood was an up-and-coming prospect. Dodson obviously has been established at 125 and 135 pounds for many years in the UFC, but the results just haven't been there. The judging here was strange because each judge had a different score through two rounds. Dan, how did you see this fight before we even get to what the judges saw? Round one, what do you got? So round one, I gave it 10-9 to Wood. Mm -hmm. I felt he landed the better strikes, even though every time Dotson would flurry, the crowd would go bananas because it's in New Mexico. I still thought Wood was the one landing the better strikes. Just for the record, I agree. And one judge agreed. Mark Sanchez he did not butt fumble this one. <laughs> but the other two judges, Kenny Ortiz and Derek Cleary, both gave the round to Dotson. Again, close round, but I really didn't think there was a there was a strong argument for Wood not to get that. So yeah, but early in the fight, Dotson had him in some kind of clinch. He was hitting him with uppercuts and he and Wood slips, falls, gets knocked down, whatever. Dead. Crowd goes a little bit crazy about it. Local guy. Yeah. So. Another Albu or, uh, he's Albuquerque, New Mexico. I can understand how that happens, but that's unfortunate when the locals get in the heads of the judges. Right, yeah. Maybe that's the only reason I could think of. But round two, different story. Who wins that round? Round two I had for Dotson. Why? Definitely more effective strikes. Yeah, I, I thought so too. And, and actually two of the judges in this case agreed with us. Mr. Sanchez, once again, good job. You're you're much better at judging than you were at football. Let's be clear, this is not the same Mark Sanchez. They, they are not one and the same. Derek Cleary gave actually round two to Dodson as well. So at this point, he has Dodson up two rounds to nil, which is, is kind of strange. Whereas Mark Sanchez has it one-to-one, -one, just you and I. You know who else has it one-to-one, -one, though? 
Kenny Ortiz. He gave round two to Wood, which is the inverse score of Mark Sanchez yeah. and myself and you. Yeah, he just has it completely opposite. I don't know what this guy's watching. It was almost like he saw round one for Dodson and then was like, uh-oh, I turned my card in already. I kind of thought it was Wood. Oh, good, this is another close round. Now I'm going to give it to Wood so that I'll even it out. MMA is much different than other sports like basketball where you can get a makeup call if you miss something. MMA is different. There's only three rounds. you got to get them right. This was very much a makeup call to me. I, I don't know that that's really how he thought. I, you you got to give them the benefit of the doubt and really can't assume that that's what happened, but <laughs> I, can't, I can't really think about it. Again, close fight, but it just doesn't make sense that two judges saw both rounds completely opposite. And then another judge who gave both rounds to one guy. I didn't think it was that close a fight where this should be happening. No, round two was clear victor for Dodson. I think round one was clearly for Wood. Well, I'm going to have a lot more on Mr. Ortiz later, but suffice it to say, John Dodson took the power away from the judges by getting the TKO early in round three. Thank God. And that was that was a really good finish for him. It, it's been a while since we've seen that from Dodson. Did you, did you like that one? I did enjoy that finish. It was most likely my favorite finish of the night because... You really had no idea where the scorecards were going. Yes, that's any time that a fighter can take it out of the judges' hands in a very close fight, especially one where we see later, it was really close and really strange. Good on him. Next one we'd like to talk about, though, is we don't have too much to say here, but Scott Holtzman against Jim Miller. Holtzman got the victory. I think everybody saw it that way. But I definitely saw a closer fight through the first two rounds. For, for me, it was definitely Jim Miller round one. You agree? Yeah, round one was definitely Miller. Just because he's going backwards doesn't mean he's losing the fight. Sal Diamato did not see it that way. I, I don't really see too much of an argument for it. It's, it's a little bit of nonsense to me. I, yeah. Someone like Sal, he really should know better. He's, yeah. he's one of the most veteran judges we have in this sport. Yeah, he's definitely better than that. He is, he is. But hey, hey at, least, at least the right man got the victory. That's Yeah, that's true. Another situation, right man got the victory. Maybe maybe the score is a little strange here. Devin Clark against Daquan Townsend at light heavyweight. I thought round two was definitely a 10-8 round, especially when you look at the numbers afterward. You had Clark outstriking Townsend 21-1, to mostly through ground and pound with the takedowns. I don't understand why Ortiz wasn't willing to give out 10-8 on this one. This was his first UFC outing, and it... It almost seemed to show. It's it's unfortunate. Yeah, for sure 10-8 for round two because it was a large margin win. I also had 10-8 for round three. I didn't go there. I It was very close for me. I was very torn. You know what it is? A 10-8 for round two is clear because he's passing the guard. He actually got into mount. Yeah. Round three, he didn't bother to pass. He was just willing to strike in the guard, and I think maybe that could be a reason for why you'd give it a 10-9. That was at least part of it for me. Yeah, he just seemed a little too content. To do it, even though he wasn't facing any offense back. And maybe that was what it was. Maybe he just felt he'd already done enough, and his opponent certainly didn't seem interested in turning the tables once he got there. Uh, I'm not impressed with Daquan Townsend as, a, as, a, as an athlete, as a, as, a, as a UFC caliber fighter. Yeah, he looked pretty bad. Now we have to give credit where it's due. The judges certainly got a few fights correct. We had 30-27 for Montana De La Rosa in her victory over Mara Romero Barella. We had 30-27 for Lando Venata as he beat Yancey Medeiros. And we had 30-26 for Macy Chason as she beat Shayna Young. All right, so that's going to do it for the contested rounds. Scott, everyone loves a finish. What was your favorite of the night? 
Well, for me, it was Blahovich. Uh, how do you go wrong with the main event being a knockout in the first round, especially one that was completely unex- not completely unexpected, but it definitely went against the betting favorite, a, a comfortable betting favorite in Corey Anderson. And it was just a thunderous shot. And that hammer fist afterward, it just jolted Anderson's body in a way that it kind of made me shudder in a way that I don't normally do when I watch fights. I'm pretty desensitized to this stuff. But it, the, the way his body just kind of moved as that fist connected with the chin again, it was uh, it was a little weird. You know, and Herb Dean was there quick. He was. It was it was absolutely the right stoppage. He got there as quick as he could. But, I mean, sometimes these flash knockouts, you just you can't get there quick enough. Blahovich is a bad man. Throw that. There's nothing wrong with doing it. He he did what he was supposed to do, but oof, that was brutal. In my eyes, he's next for John Jones' title. He's next? Yeah, you think so? I that's think a, That's so. who you want to see, at least? That's what I want to see. I don't see how you give it to Reyes. Jones wants Blahovich, is from what I've read. It's a new opponent. I, I like that. I'd yeah. be interested in that. Yeah, something to get him excited. I will say honorable mention for favorite finish of the night was definitely Rodriguez with the choke. Uh, it was great. Rodriguez came in on late notice for this one too. He he was a he was kind of a prospect who came in, and I can't wait to watch him again. I, I want to see what this guy can do. Yeah, I'm pretty excited to see what he can do. You know, he had a really good striking, and I didn't know he had subs like that. No, no, same. So it, and Means is no joke either. He's a, he's a veteran fighter. He's a violent guy. He brings it every time. And this was actually the fight that I identified last week as the one I was most looking forward to. It definitely didn't go the way I thought it would, but. It was almost better because it didn't. Yeah, you know, Rodriguez actually had two finishes. He had a knockout and he had a sub. You could make the case. I, I'm not. I don't want to go too far with that because he was still saved by the bell. Maybe he recovers in time. Means is is certainly. Uh, he's been hit before, and I could see him kind of finding a way to to make it out of the sticky situation. But I don't ultimately, know. he didn't in the second round. And he was walking like he just uh, was hanging out on St. Patty's Day a bit too long. <laughs> Now it's time to grade the judges in a section we call Lest Ye Be Judged. For me, the best judge of the night, Mr. Mark Sanchez. Honestly, after his performance on Saturday night, I, w- I would like to see more of him. I gave him an A+, because he got all eight rounds that he scored the same as me. And he also had the right card in Dodson Wood, uh, which which neither Ortiz or Cleary saw in the same way. And, and I I really appreciate somebody getting it right when other people don't. So that's why he gets that A-plus for me. My other A that I gave out, though, was to Tony Weeks, a veteran judge who we've seen in many states uh, for many years, and, and I think he he did a great job. He showed why he's one of the more respected judges in the sport. He got all 12 rounds that I had, uh, albeit the fights were a little more universally scored the same way that he had, but nonetheless, if, if you agree with everything I saw, I can't give you anything less than an A. What do you think, Dan? Yeah, those are the two best for the night for me as well. Uh, I gave Mark Sanchez an A, and I gave Tony Weeks also an A. Tony Weeks judged it identical to me, so that's an A. Mark Sanchez was off by one. I, he gave him an A minus on the one fight. Which which round was that? That was round three of Clark Townsend, because I saw it as a ten eight. Okay, that's fair. So you, I dropped you and from, I disagreed on yeah. that one, obviously. Yeah, so I dropped it from an A to an A minus. Okay, all right, that's fair. That's fair. What about what about the worst judge of the night? Who who do you have? One or two judges have, that, that just were terrible? Yeah, I have two judges that were pretty bad. Uh, not bad. Everyone did a fair job. But uh, Esther Lopez giving Tim Means that round was an F for me. So that brought her total score down to B-. And Kenny Ortiz was kind of all over the place. 
he ended up with a B. Ooh, see, you were much kinder to Kenny Ortiz than I was. I thought he flat out stunk. He refused to give out 10 eights in any of the rounds that deserved them. There were three of them he could have given out at the very least. The two Borg rounds and round two of Clark. And you seem to think even round three of Clark, uh, his victory should have probably gone a 10 eight. So right. those are at least four rounds that both of us, three to four rounds that we both can disagree with. He had the winning rounds backwards in Dodson and Wood. I, I just, I know it was close, but I don't see how you can really give him the benefit of the doubt there it just it was very strange to see that score to me he failed i gave him an f okay. and i don't really want to see him again i i hope i hope he goes back to the indies and and looks a little bit better i hope he gets better feedback maybe spends a little bit of time with sanchez they have a beer watch the fights again sanchez can be like listen this is what you got wrong but i don't think any of his scores were too impactful no they weren't the the fortunate thing about this whole night is that Every fighter who deserved to get the win on the judges' cards did, in fact, get the win. And any fight that maybe was starting to head in a strange direction, it was ended by the fighters themselves, fortunately. But overall, I thought New Mexico's Athletic Commission did a good job. They, they certainly put out some experienced judges uh, here. You had Sal Diamato, who I didn't think had a strongest night, uh, but at the very least, he's definitely one of the best in the business. You, you got to at least try it with somebody like him. Tony Weeks, again, he had a really good night. Derek Cleary, another veteran judge who I, I didn't think had a strong night overall. But but at the very least, you go out there and you put out some really experienced judges. You're, you're putting your best foot forward. I didn't think Esther, Esther Lopez was too bad. Again, her Rodriguez round was indefensible, in my opinion. But everything else, I, I was really appreciated uh, the type of judging that we were getting from her. So, you know, a good, healthy mix of veteran judges from around the country and some local judging that it, it mostly looked pretty good. I, I'm impressed with New Mexico, and, and I do hope that they now have their act together after turning in a very strange Diego Sanchez de decision victory in 2014 when he definitely, most definitely lost to Ross Pearson in one of the worst decisions I think we've probably seen in the last decade. And that does it for UFC Rio Rancho. I think we've exhausted the judging conversation from the event over the weekend. And now it's time to go even further back in a segment we call Past Judgment. And in Past Judgment, this is where we like to take a fight from maybe last year, maybe even farther back, and we'll apply our own scoring criteria to it, which is not drastically different than the criteria that you would see at any general event. But we do have a couple of little changes that we like to make. We encourage 10-10 rounds when warranted, and by doing that, we actually eliminate the criteria for aggression and area control as tiebreakers after effective striking and grappling. Because in our opinion, it, it's about trying to end the fight, and aggression isn't necessarily ending the fight, and neither is area control. 10-9s are for notable advantages. 10-8s are the more clearly controlled rounds where you see. So this is kind of where we separate a kind of slight 10-9 from a good 10-9. That just becomes a 10-8. And 10-7s are more for the dominant rounds uh, that probably you would think of as, as a very strong 10-8 round. That becomes a 10-7. These rounds can be used as often as needed. If we see a 10-7, that's a 10-7. If we see a 10-10, that's a 10-10. Uh, these are intended to allow more varied scores in the fights. And we also believe here that there's no need to beat the champ to be the champ if we are letting each round stand on its own. If the fight was judged as an entirety, I would, I would be on board. You have to beat the champ to be the champ. 
So this week, we're going to be looking back at Paul Felder versus Edson Barbosa 2. Scott, this wasn't that long ago. It was on the Abu Dhabi card back in uh, September. That's right. Yeah, it was UFC 242. This was the co-main event uh, that was right before Khabib Nurmagomedov when he defended his lightweight title against interim champ Dustin Poirier uh, in a fight that obviously Khabib dominated. So real quick, can you give us a rundown of what happened in the first fight? All right, so the first fight happened four years earlier back in 2015. Uh, Barboza won a very clear decision, and it was actually a fight of the night that night. Barboza, at the time, he was actually five years into his UFC career, so he was a real veteran. This was a big step up for Felder, who was only in his third UFC fight. They ended up actually training together between the two fights, so they had a little bit more familiarity with each other, and then it was rebooked uh, last fall for the rematch. Uh, But by this point, Felder and Barboza were both in the top 10, so... Things had changed a little bit. It was it was it was definitely an interesting rematch in the sense that there was a reason for it. All right. So who were the judges cage side and who was referee in this fight? We had Howie Booth, David Letheby, and Maria Makmutova. Letheby is the only name that that is familiar to me. And the referee was Herb Dean. So round one, Dan, take it away. Tell me what happened back in September. All right. So. This was a very close round. Felder looked like the aggressor. He was the one coming forward. Some back and forth clinching against the cage. It was mostly a kickboxing match, though, almost almost exclusively. For the most part, yeah, but minus a couple, you know, clinches against the cage. Sure. So what I liked about this fight was, you know, Barbosa fighting how Barbosa does. Dangerous leg kicks. Dangerous any kicks, really. Yeah, he landed seven out of eight kicks in the first round to the legs. He also hit seven out of 11 body shots. Uh, which were a lot of kicks there, and they were really hard kicks. Right, yeah, I do love a good body knockout, so anytime you give me a chance for that, I'm happy. And I also really enjoyed, you know, Felder, as always, is comes to fight, and he, he's always looking to finish. Now, they did have that clash of heads, though, at, at one point during the fight, and they actually had to look at Felder's head because he was busted open from it. It was an accidental clash of heads. You know, these things obviously happen, but uh, did you think that maybe something like that could have weighed into the judge's mind? For sure, if they didn't know. I think it should be made clear that that cut was because of a headbutt. Not, you know, anything that Barbosa did. Yeah, that that's one thing I kind of had a thought during the fight, is I really hope that there's a way or hope that they can find a way to relay information like that to the judges so that they know that something that was caused accidentally isn't something that they should score. But how do you have that round? I gave it 10-9 to Barbosa. He had the better effective strikes. Even though Felder's coming forward, he wasn't hitting Barbosa as much, and he was getting hit with more effective shots. Yeah, the interesting thing was was Felder definitely dictated the pace. I think he was he had Barbosa on the back foot, but Barbosa was still able to be very effective with those kicks, like you said, and, and obviously the headbutt doesn't count for anything. So just the fact that Felder was busted up, that had no bearing on it. And his nose got a little busted, too. And, and again, that kind of supports Barboza 10-9, which is how I had it. Right, yeah, 10-9. This is similar to the Holtzman-Miller round one that we just looked at before. Yeah, but again, I think this is actually even a closer round uh, than that round. I th- this, was, this I can understand being a little bit of a tougher round to score. I still saw it pretty clearly for Barboza because of the kicks, but anytime you have somebody who's going with a, a mostly boxing attack against a mostly kickboxing attack in which they're using kicks and, and working to the body and, and the legs. I feel like that's something that can throw off things for a judge who's maybe not as used to scoring mixed martial arts. Maybe they're more adjusted to boxing. Two of them did, in fact, give it to Barboza, just like you and I did. It was Booth and Leatherby. Makmutova, though, is the one who gave it to Felder. 
I disagree, but it, it was it was close enough that it, I'm not going to to shred Ms. Makhnutova apart for that. Very close round. Yeah. What about round two? Yeah, so round two uh, started much of the same as round one until Edson Barbosa landed a takedown, which I found rather surprising. Yeah, I thought he was getting the better of the striking, especially early on. He, he had really strong kicks early. He, they were snapping. He just he looked like he was rolling at that point, almost to a better degree than the first round. So the takedown was strange. And it was a really good double leg takedown that we saw from Barboza. I actually really liked it. Yeah, it was it was a great takedown. Mm-hmm. And but I do believe that this decision was a turning point in the fight for Felder. Yeah. Felder was really good off his back. He was hitting him with some elbows and he did do some damage. He did. The funny thing is when you look at the striking numbers here, Barboza actually did still outland him in ground strikes, uh 5 to 4, but that the elbows that Felder were throwing were just they had bad intentions. They busted him open. They were nowhere near the same level of ground strikes. Agreed. And it seemed to give Felder a little bit more life when he saw that even though he was on his back, he was able to to really turn it around with some of these elbows that were were definitely affecting Barboza. There were points where he was his offense kind of stagnated and he almost looked like he was taking a little bit of a break. He was like, "Oh wow, this hurt." Yeah, he might have been shocked that he was actually bleeding. Maybe, yeah. I don't remember Barboza being cut up too often. It happens, but it's it's not one of those things where he, he you don't think of him as as the classic bleeder, right? Yeah. So maybe maybe that threw him for a little bit. Now Felder also attacked with that armbar, which for whatever reason, and I I don't know what the standards are for uh, the UFC stats, which are run essentially through what was once known as fight metric, but they didn't give Felder. Uh, credit for the armbar attempt that he was making it was it was defended well but he certainly was attacking off his back and i thought that was another way that you really had to give felder credit for for being on the offense that armbar while defended great by barbosa sure was there oh yeah if yeah he had the arm normally when you're sweaty like that you can just rip it out but barbosa had had to work to get out of that even though he was no real danger ever i mean he quickly got the arm around to protect the arm that was being attacked now, after the armbar attempt, Barboza did, in fact, get out, and that's where Felder went back to his feet and resumed with the striking. Once it got back to the feet, Felder was landing better. Seemed like Barboza may be a little bit tired or thankful that he's back up. He's trying to regather himself. I don't want to say coast, but kind of like, all right, let's just get out of this round. Yeah, I don't know if it was necessarily a, a situation like that, but it, it certainly seemed like he was trying to recover uh, from the fact that, yes, he was just opened up, and yes, he had gotten out of that, that armbar. It, it seemed to throw off the momentum that he clearly had just a few minutes earlier when the round started. We ended up seeing a very even strike total here with Barboza outpacing Felder 21-20. to 20. Not a very significant margin at all. At distance, they were even with 16-16. to 16. So for me, the difference maker especially was the fact that Felder was landing those great elbows from the bottom and attacked with the armbar. I ended up having to give the round to Felder there, and it, for me, it was a very easy call. I agree. 10-9 for Felder. Then we see, though, that when the judges turn in their rounds, Leatherby and Makhmutova both gave the round to Felder 10-9. Howie Booth gave it 10-9 to Barboza, and I just don't see it. So Howie Booth must be from the school of whoever's on top is winning. I hate that line of thinking, and, and I pray that's not what it was, but what else could it be? Yeah, I don't see how it could be anything other than that. Yeah, it's disappointing, especially when the fact that he did, in fact, attack off his back with that armbar. It's not even like he was just on the bottom and they exchanged a couple strikes and then they got back to the feet. There was definitely some grappling offense there. And how do you not weigh that as significant? That That's effective offense. 
and effective striking. He cut yes. him open. Yes. Baffling. Round three. Dan, what happened? Almost identical to round one. Felder comes forward. Barboza's content to counter. Some clinches against the cage. The one difference for me, though, is I thought Felder was landing much more frequently. And the stats support that. Felder did end up outlanding Barboza 23-15 to 15, uh, in a largely stand-up fight at this point. I definitely saw that as a, a difference maker between round one and round three. But you're right, it, it, there was there was certainly a similarity to the way in which the fight was going down. Correct. Other than the fact of the advantages. So, the yes, the way the fight was happening was similar to round one, except Felder started landing at a way bigger uh, percentage than he did in round one. Yeah, and but I will say this for Barboza. He, he looked like he was closing the round pretty well. I, I thought he closed... In a way that almost could have made it a little confusing for the judges, that were not confusing, but make them think to themselves very quickly. Well, geez, did did he come back and steal that round? I disagree personally. I actually did give that round to Felder, ten nine. All these rounds were close enough that you couldn't really push it into a ten eight, even if you were trying to be very generous with ten eights. That's how I feel. Right. There was no ten eight in this fight. Yeah. How did you see how did you have that round three though? Round three I had ten nine for Felder. Okay. I thought that takedown at the end was a total non factor. He won the bulk of, of the uh of the exchanges here and Barboza you didn't even see him going to the legs anymore. He he almost entirely abandoned those bread and butter leg kicks that he's known for. He was two out of two. Felder landed one and you don't see a whole lot of rounds where it's all standing and Barboza only has one more leg kick than the other guy. Yeah, and I believe Felder outstruck him by a lot. He did. Again, it was it was twenty three to fifteen. That was mostly to the head. You saw Felder he had nineteen of twenty three of his strikes were straight to the head. And I did think it was starting to make a difference and really add up on Barboza. And that's why you saw him kind of get a little frustrated in the end of the round. And and he did, to his credit, push the pace in an effective way and try to try to steal that round back. But I, I think he probably had to know he was losing control of that round in the judge's mind knowing that this was the third round he had to try and end up strong but it just wasn't enough yeah and two judges actually agreed with us here it was uh david leatherby and makmutova they both had 10-9 for felder howie booth again though 10-9 for barboza he must have liked what we saw what we didn't really appreciate as much at the end of that yeah again i really don't know why howie booth is judging it this way I thought it was a clear 10-9 for Phil. I thought this was probably rather easy round to score. For somebody who, and I don't want to call Booth an amateur here. This is not what I'm saying. But let's say some rando off the street was watching this fight. I think they could probably watch round three and say, oh, yeah, Felder won. Yeah, I agree. For the final, though, what'd you have? 29-28 Felder. Same. David Leatherby ended up with the same score. Howie Booth went 30-27 with Barboza. That's a baffling score. It's it's a weird. It looks weirder, especially at the end. I kind of get the fact that it was these were close rounds, but I just I don't think anyone at the end of that fight could look back and that say thirty twenty seven makes sense. I don't think it makes sense for either man. But Makmutova also had thirty twenty seven, but hers were for Felder. Tad more sense than thirty twenty seven Barbosa. Uh well, I agree, of course, because we agree on two rounds here. And you can make a, I think you can make a better case for Felder winning round one than you can make for Barboza winning round three, which seemed to be the round that we swung with. Right. Howie Booth, of course, just gave every round to Barboza. Okay. But even even when you look at the numbers of this fight, they kind of support the fact this was an extremely close fight with Barboza outstriking Felder, sixty to fifty six. 
Yeah, that that tells you a lot about this fight. The numbers don't always tell you everything, but I think in this case, those numbers tell you very clearly that this was a fight that could have gone either way. Um, but I'm definitely comfortable with the fact that Felder gets the win in my book. Right, yeah, I think that's the right decision. And that does it for past judgment. And now we've got to lead into this coming weekend where Felder is at it again. This is why we chose this fight. Paul Felder is taking on New Zealand's own Dan Hooker in Auckland. I'm pretty excited about this fight, Scott. I mean, yeah. Yeah, Felder always pushes the pace, tries to finish, and Hooker's a finisher also. Oh, yeah. Hooker I love because he's always out there looking for that knockout. Anyone who brings the violence like that, you've got to appreciate. If he's able to finish Paul Felder, this will be the first time Felder has been finished by knockout or by submission. He had a doctor stoppage. Nasty Cub versus uh, Francisco Trinaldo. Yes. But this would be the first time he's actually been finished by knockout or submission. I don't see this one end up being in a submission. That would be really shocking to me if, if Hooker was able to submit Paul Felder. I think he's too well-rounded uh, to be able to be gotten, even with five rounds here. I'm really excited to see it. I don't really know how it's going to go. and that's the, that's the best that you can get out of a main event is when you really just don't know. Yeah, it's going to be a fun fight for sure, though. Yeah. That's going to do it for the Couchside Judges this week. Make sure to subscribe. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Couchside Judges. Next week, be sure to join us. We'll be going over the judging from UFC Auckland. And thanks for uh, listening. Have a good day. Thanks, everybody. Take care.